Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. Welcome back to Sundance 2021, where we are joined with our friend John Wildman from FilmsGoneWild.com. And today we're all about adventure, uh, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, We're going everywhere from a first date to One for the Road, which is a, a... a buddy travel film that goes all across Thailand. And then we're ending it with a, quite a bang, uh, literally and, and figuratively, with the film Pleasure that uh, takes you deep inside the woman's experience as a porn star. So uh, buckle up, folks, because this, uh, this is quite a ride. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Okay, here we are on filmsgonewild.com and Bitch Talk. We are virtually at Sundance 2021, and we are now going to talk about the film First Date, which we could talk all day long on this movie because there is a lot (laughs) going on with First Date. Um, All right, so we've got Manuel Crosby, one of our co-directors, and then we've got a trio of stars from the film. We've got Brandon Krauss, we've got Tyson Brown, and we've got Shelby Duclos. Am I saying that right? Yes, you are. Awesome. All right, now we start us off by having um, uh, you guys introduce our audience to the film that have not seen it as yet. So Manuel, tell our audience what First Date is about, other than the first date. <laughs> well, um, so it's about uh, a kid named Mike who buys his first car uh, in order to impress a girl and take her out on said yeah first date. Um, but he makes a pretty sketchy choice and uh, of automobile, which uh, leads him on a night of pretty insane adventures. So it's pretty safe to say it's probably the craziest first date um, you've ever seen. You know, I mean, there, there have been uh, a ton of movies about first dates, obviously, and, and, and crazy dates. But man, I think you guys in this film may have topped every damn one of them um, <laughs> because I don't know if there's an idea that you left out. Um, and, and so I'm going to start off this way. First question, and we, we want to get everybody in. But Manuel, I'm going to start off with you. And here's the key. This film is funny. Um, but some serious shit happens, some tragic stuff happens. And so working on tone is key to pulling the sucker off. And so I would love for you to talk from the director's perspective of how you worked with your cast, um, with with everything, editing, what have you, to make sure that you kept that tone correct throughout. I think the the biggest thing actually was um, even started in the writing process, first of all, making sure that uh, every every character had their own inner life and something they were actually concerned about. And then with the performances, uh, you know, making, staying true to that, making sure that the characters uh, were, were rooted in their reality, even though as a viewer, it's so bizarre and, and outlandish. 
um, the characters don't know that they're in funny situations to them. It's like the worst thing that's ever happened. And I think that's kind of the key of, of walking, walking that tonal line to start with. So. Yeah, I love when filmmakers shoot in their hometowns. It, mm -hmm. I mean, you re you really you really feel a difference in that. Um, so I, I would love to talk about what it was like shooting in your hometown and, and how you gave it that local vibe. And also for our stars, you picked local actors and how wonderful it was to be able to shoot, you know, in your neighborhoods and and what you were able to bring to that as a local. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, shooting shooting in Valley Springs was great. Um, you know. Um, uh, Darren actually still lives there and we've always kind of shot the films that we've he and I have collaborated collaborated on we've always kind of shot in that general uh, area of Calaveras County so it's kind of a no-brainer and um, it was great because Darren uh, knew a lot of locations that you know were you know really eye-catching or interesting or the make-out spot yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um, so that was actually a, a blend of two locations but the view you know was uh, right behind his house so we like hiked up this hill and got this great shot anyway um uh yeah so that was a, a huge benefit and then um in in valley springs and kind of in our general uh, film community there's a lot of people willing to to help out and excited to be a part of a production. So, uh, you know, willing to offer up their homes sometimes for, for us to, to film in, or, you know, if we need a certain type of car, they may be able to help us out. They want to be in the movie, you know, in small ways. And and uh, that excitement makes it really fun to, to shoot locally. And then um, not even to, you know, not to forget the, the awesome uh, cast and crew that we have um, in the area. You know, there's so many talented people up there. That's how we got connected with Tyson and Shelby. Yeah, Tyson, if, if you want to start, I know you're a, a transplant from Georgia, you know, coming to Sacramento, who knew it would lead, lead you to your first starring role in a feature. So if you want to start for all the actors, of uh, what it was like shooting in, in your hometown or your neighboring town? I, uh, it was fun. Um, it was just fun to see like the beautiful sunsets at night. Sometimes we kind of go into night shooting stuff. But, like it was it was great to just kind of be outside where they were like in like of a studio confined space. Cause like, you know, when we're not shooting, you just take time to breathe and relax and just take in the moment. And then when it's time to shoot, you're ready to go. You are refreshed and everything. Uh, so yeah. And then just shooting with everyone, it felt like a family um, once everyone got together, together and everything. So it was really great. It made uh, shooting scenes a little bit easier and not like really stressful and, stuff like that so it was just a good time honestly I had fun I feel like a kid honestly <laughs> <laughs> a scared kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah Shelby our resident badass yeah yes <laughs> I like that um yeah for me it was I've actually never been up to Valley Springs it's probably an hour away from where I live but um it's super pretty up there so the drive was really nice when I'd go there but even just from like um a personal standpoint, I was working a nine to five job. So it being local was super helpful for me because I would literally just get off work and drive straight to set. And, you know, like, I mean, starting off, like that's very convenient for an actor. So um, there was that. And then um, since I was new to acting, I had started taking some acting classes. And so when we got to shoot the big scene at the end and there's a lot of the cast there it was funny because I was like oh I know this person that person you know because the local community where we live is you know it's big but it's not like too big so you actually run into um, a lot of other acting friends and so I was like I had no idea you're on this project and 
so it was it was fun in that way too. Brandon, let's hear from you on the aspect of you know what's wonderful um, throughout this film is characters that defy our expectations, and 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 your character is really prime in 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 that way that you know that 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 you're set up to be something um, you know initially on site. And, uh, you know, and it, and it turns out there's a little bit more there. So talk, talk about the fun of doing that and, and, and also working with, uh, with our directing tandem to pull that off. Well, yeah, thank you guys so much for having us on. And thank you for bringing up these very specific examples. You guys have definitely watched the film. It sounds like you guys are fans. I appreciate that, first of all, so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Manuel and Darren, um, you know, didn't want just conventional characters. They wanted to defy the rules and um, they wanted to, you know, shock the audience with these different colorful characters. And they did such a great job. When I played Chet, which is the jock who is um, kind of like counters Mike uh, in trying to get Kelsey, right? We both want Kelsey. Um, and, uh, you know, you think maybe I'm just another jock, you know, uh, another asshole or whatever douchebag you know whatever adjective you want to use but then at the end we and i won't spoil it or anything but i have this very vulnerable moment where you're like oh my god this guy's funny and then with with manuals you know finesse we were able to collaborate during that scene and um you know keep the seriousness of the stakes but make it really comedic with his Nicholas Cage, uh, Nicholas Cage line. That's a, that's a big slap, you know? So, um, I love, I love that scene. I had an amazing uh, time shooting with Manuel. Um, and I don't know if you guys are actually more familiar, but most of the efforts that with first date myself actually was leading the production, um, from the business standpoint. And so, um, and to just touch on that, working with Manuel and Darren on our first film altogether, was a massive learning experience. Um, learning how to raise money for a first film was extremely difficult. Finding locations, managing all of these colorful characters on and off screen, right? Dealing with all of them uh, and managing the process was extremely um, rewarding and a huge learning experience for sure. Yeah, I, I have a question coming from Bitch Talk here because I have to talk about the women in this film. Um, it felt very intentional that the women, the leading women in this film were kick-ass, obviously. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly, Tyson. And were not over-sexualized um, and were really kind of the, the heroes in a way or anti-heroes. Can, can you both, Shelby and Manuel, talk about that? And if the other actors want to jump in, that'd be great too playing Kelsey, that was something I noticed immediately about her character was, and that I loved actually, um, you know, I'm kind of shy and timid in real life and Kelsey is not like at all. So I was very excited to like try, try and push myself and see, you know, like I've always kind of wanted to be that like badass type girl and um, you know, it's hard. And so when I got to play her, that was, like I said, immediately drew me to her because she is so strong and I love um you know the cop too being a woman she is just I actually noticed that too on this film and I mean I can't speak for for Nicole but um as far as me playing Kelsey that was something I definitely took seriously especially when it came to my fight scenes I wanted to look as strong as I could and um really just portray that and I liked that Kelsey kind of keeps Mike going you know throughout all of the kind of the end of it. She's kind of really is the rock, 
you know, when a lot of times that's reverse. So I felt, I felt super empowered filming it and um, just getting to play her. Well, Shelby, I'm a Krav Maga guy, and I think that was pretty textbook how you <laughs> laid out that guy. So, uh, so yeah, it's a good show. On Thank that. you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Um, I want to talk about uh, working uh, with guns, and I want to talk about that you know, you know, you know, doing a shootout <laughs> stuff because um, you know I I made a film and we just shot one gun, and that was all day long to pull that off properly, and and here. Um, you know, I think since, I haven't seen a shootout um, at, at uh, shootouts um, since Free Fire, um, you know, for, for what you guys do. And, that, and that's high praise um, because, because that film, you know, just goes all out. So mm -hmm. I actually want to talk, and of course, Manuel, I want you to talk about how you guys stage this. But, um, but Tyson and Shelby, I also want for you two, from the actor's perspective, um, you know, uh, doing this. And you know, and and what you're being told uh, to do this properly and safely, and also you also kind of have to act at the same time. So you know, so so Manuel, let's start, and then let's have our actors jump in. Um. So yeah. So um. I uh, for that scene, of course, safety was the the number one priority. But we also, Darren and I, we wanted to get as much in camera practically as we could. Um, because, you know, we, we weren't sure what our even VFX capabilities would be. And, and also it just had, just has that extra texture and realism to it. You feel it in the performances too, you know? Um, so it was actually great working with our, our armorers. I believe it was ISS props, right, Brandon? Um, so complete pros have worked on like some of the biggest movies out there. And that aspect of you know actors handling guns was actually not as not as you know stressful as as you would imagine because the the armors are so good at their job you know the very um, well oiled machine and you know actors are only holding weapons when it's you know the time to shoot the take and they're only loaded with the right number of, of blanks that are actually going to be fired it was really interesting to see all of that right um, now on the actual shooting and uh, production side it was interesting because we we had to be very careful with our uh, ammunition. So we were very limited on takes. We had about one and a half takes for every camera angle. And hmm. we just had to get it right. And I had storyboarded the entire thing. I had tallied up on the side of each frame, every round that was gonna be fired by each actor in each shot. And I was like, oh man, I hope we, I hope we can do this. And we had done an overhead diagram, which I had shared with our gaffer um, on, you know, where everybody was going to be standing and when, figuring out how to light this pretty big space in a cool way and in an efficient way. And, uh, you know, we did a couple other kind of practical tricks of, um, you know, bullet hits. We used um, dust uh, paintballs, which are actually usually uh, bear repellent. Um, to, which they've done in movies like 310 to Yuma and things like that. We like that in-camera look, you know, and then we were able to enhance some things here and there, but, um, you know, it was, it was so much fun. And when we had the first cut and it was actually working with, without any VFX at that time, it was like, okay, we, we did it, you know, and, uh, you know, being heavily inspired by, you know, movies like, you know, you mentioned Free Fire and we also looked at like Way of the Gun and, and you know heat for the sound stuff like that it's like oh man desperado you know it'd be awesome to do something like that <laughs> anyway <laughs> and tyson and shelby it's a lot to keep track of um you know and and stay on point with what you two have to deliver talk about it from your perspective tyson why don't you go first 
Um, so with the whole array of like the ending scene, is that what we're talking about, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. so it just made it even better because like hearing everything, you're just like, holy shit, like it's real. And <laughs> so, so loud in there. Yeah, it's so loud. So it makes it a little bit easier to kind of imagine yourself in just a dangerous situation because like it's the sounds and stuff are there. And um, so, yeah, it made it fun because I grew up as a kid loving action movies. And so to finally do something like that, I was just like, yes, let's do it. I'm so excited. I was so pumped for those five days, so, uh, five days to come up. It's like, that was a dream come true for me as a kid. A lot of it like wasn't even acting when we look scared. Like, <laughs> I, at least for me, I was, I think man remembers, like I was actually scared. It, it was really loud in there and they were like dust balls that were coming out of some of these things. So, you know, I remember one one of the scenes, they drew a line in this gravel and they're like, Shelby, you run to this line. Do not pass this line because we are shooting a gun, like, right, you know, if you pass this line, you might get hit with, you know, one of the things. And I'm like, no pressure. This ground is not slippery at all. Tyson and I fell numerous times on there, but <laughs> I that was, that was the genuine reaction, you know, on one of those because I was literally terrified to get hit with one of those paintball things, <laughs> dust balls. Yeah, I, I think that's really impressive because especially for a lot of first time actors on a feature film, so there were no major ish, uh, injuries because guns aside, it was still really a violent active film. I mean, we're so sedate in quarantine, I stand up and I pull a hamstring. Like you guys, <laughs> not, nothing, nothing from you guys, no injuries on set? No. I stretched every time we did that. Yeah, Tyson would str actually stretch. Yeah. I had like some bruises and stuff from when I would fall, but um, no. Yeah, and um, we also had, you know, uh, to, to help with that because that should always be the number one priority in any, in any film, right? We use as many smoke and mirrors and editing tricks as we could to make as many things as safe as possible. We had the help of our stunt coordinator, TC Morgan, and our fight choreographer, Phil Weaver, as well, to, to you know, really plan everything out and, and figure out how you can get it to look like it hurts, but keep everybody, you know, safe. So. Yeah, I, I want to thank TC, because, uh, like, he taught me a lot of stunts and how to do them yeah, safely. Yeah, they were awesome. Yeah. They were awesome, yeah. Well, um, I, I, I think uh, I can speak for my two co-hosts in thinking uh, this whole freaking film is awesome. Uh, you guys, you know, you know, they say like the devil's in the details. There's a lot of devil and there are a lot of details in this movie. So uh, congratulations on first date. And again, we've been talking to Brandon Krause, Tyson Brown, Shelly Duclos and Manuel Crosby. It's been wonderful to have you guys. And, uh, and I frankly hope uh, we, you know, that, uh, that, that, that you guys have a, a nice long film festival tour, uh, because I would love to see you guys on the circuit again later. Um, but, um, enjoy your freaking Sundance. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Cheers Thank guys. So much, Thank, Thank you for having Thanks, us. Guys. Thank cheers. you so much. We are on filmsgonewild.com and Bitch Talk. My name is John Wildman, here with my co-hosts, Angela Zabora and Aaron Lim. And we've got the creative team, the, 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 the force of nature behind One for the Road. We have our director, Baz Pumperia. We have from our cast, Violet Wattier. And we have Ice Natara. 
and we have Tor Thanapop. Welcome, all of you. Thank you. Uh, hi, hi guys. Hi. Okay, now we want we you know we want to definitely get a, a bunch of questions in here, but we're going to start off with Baz. You introduce our audience to the film. They have not seen the film as yet, um, so tell our audience what uh, the film is about. Uh, One for the road. It actually, um, I would say a road trip Badui movie, and it's about these two friends who um, you know they get to know each other in New York like 10 years ago, and then they separated for some reason. And one of them, uh, one day, like one of them is um, about to die from cancer. So um, he want another guy to come back to Thailand and, you know, being a chauffeur, take him on this road trip to do um, his last bucket list, which is um, going to pay a visit for all of his girlfriend in his life. That uh, the basic premise of the film. Okay. Uh with our with our, our trio of cast members here, uh, when you have a film like this, chemistry is so so important. And I would love for the three of you, uh, Violette, Ice, and Tor, to talk about um, what Baz did to kind of help you kind of form that chemistry. Did he throw you in the deep end of the pool and say swim? Or did he like, you know, have you guys, you know, get, go out to dinner beforehand? What did he do to kind of prepare you guys before cameras started rolling? And any one of you can jump in first and the other two can follow up. Okay, I think we are, like, <laughs> already know each other in real life before, but also for when we go shooting in New York, um, we, we lived together in the same apartment. We were like co-apartmenting. So I think that's why we were like getting really close. You know, every morning when, when one is not shooting, we would be like having breakfast or like we would go out to get something from, from a market together. It's, it's like we, we were living together for a month in New York. So I think that helps a lot. And also me and Thaw, we, we, we know each other way, way, way back as well. We have performed in a Thai series together before. So that really does help a lot. And we had like a lot of workshops as well, right? Well, that's a lot and that, 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 that will help. Us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, let, let, let me ask um, uh, Baz just as a quick follow-up before uh, Aaron and Angela mm -hmm. jump in. So, you know, when you're directing, uh, you know, you know those type of scenes and, you know, and, and there, there are some high emotional moments and there's also some subtle moments that you've got to, you know, get across as well. Um, mm -hmm. Where there, you know, did you kind of let them, you know, play out, um, you know, before you made adjustments or did you go in, you know, how, how, how much of a tactician were you in, uh, in, in getting what you wanted from this trio? Um, okay. In my knowledge, <laughs> I mean, like the, the way I try to direct um, all these actors and actress is that I, I just told them, we just talk about the direction first, like um, the direction of the of the character, and what are we aiming for, but how to get there is um, their job. So first, I I want to I want them to show me first, like their thought, their opinion, and their execution on this kind of scene for it. And then after the first take, then we start to adjust everything together. Yeah, that's great. I, I love 
Uh, Baz, you've spoken about how this is such a personal story from you. You've taken stories from different parts of your life. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm curious to know how much freedom you gave the actors in, in portraying these roles. And for our three stars here, did that add a little bit of pressure to uh, your job because you knew it was such an intimate, you were playing such an intimate character close to Baz's memory? So we could start with, with Baz as in directing these stories. Um, to me, this is, this is the kind of project, this is the kind of movie that I just, I never, I didn't plan anything that much. I just follow my instinct and my gut feeling when I'm doing all this scene. So um, I guess sometimes it's very emotional, sometimes it's um, kind of subtle, as you say, but it's all happened from what I felt in the set. That's my first take, um, that my approach for making this film. But I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna hear it now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, let's, let's have Ice weigh in on this one. To me, to me is a bus personal. So, so I have a lot of uh, pressure, you know, like I think I have some kind of weight on my shoulder to, to portray this character. And, and it's like, it's feel real to me because one of, the character I'm playing, he, he had a cancer and Bas friend, you know, uh, Mr. Loy, he, he got a cancer. So, so it's um, when we working on set, um, uh, Bas friend, he is a meal of my character. You know, he, we talking about, about the cancer and about the physicality of character and he visited us in, in the, through the shooting. So when I went on set to, to play the role and to do the scene, I watching Bas and his friend talking to each other. So I, I see his passion to, to, to explore, to, to tell this story, this friend's story. So, so I think I have a lot of pressure and, and I want to you know, give my, my all to, to this project. Hi. Or how about you? Yeah. Yes, uh, in my opinion, I think um, I think every actors have so much uh, freedom of acting because uh, we can trust uh, in our instinct. Uh, we can trust in uh, my my direction of my director, and that's good of actors because uh, our director gave. Uh, give a freedom of acting for us. Yeah, it, it, uh, I, I think in this movie, um, everything is, is not fixed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we did a lot of improvise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can improvise everything. <laughs> you know, it's- and, and, uh, Yeah, sorry. Uh, and it's not just improvise the dialogue, you know, uh, in the scene. It's like improvise the whole scene, you know. Some sometimes when we go <laughs> in to shoot the, the 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 movie in the day, and we have the gap of the time that we don't have nothing to do. It's like but just just give give us the whole new scene to play. Yeah. So yeah. so it's really fun and it's very challenging. Yeah, mm -hmm. I go on full Wong Kar Wai mode on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Baz is a taskmaster. I think we got that. I think. We got 
Um, I, I do have a question. And first of all, the film is so beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, it was the first film I got to watch for Sundance. So it was a great way to begin the festival. Um, Baz, I wanted to ask you the father storyline as a radio DJ and also the mm. music selection. Can you talk a little bit more about that? It was, it was, I have a lot of favorite parts of the film, but that was one of my favorite parts. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, um, actually, um, for, for the father part, um, this character based on the real life person in my life, but um, my, my father is still here, thank God. But um, <laughs> um, um, he based on my uh, my late grand grandmother, who I grew up with when I was a kid, and she passed away when I was living in New York. And it, it's like wood in in the script. I never get a chance to come back to Thailand and. And see her for the last time. I didn't. I didn't attend her her funeral. So it's almost felt like my yeah. It, 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 the feeling that stuck with me for all this year. So I want to somehow fix that in my imagination through this film. And can you talk a little bit about the music selection too? <laughs> um, of course. I mean, like. Um, when we when we decide to to tell this story through through the song, right? Because I'm a big fan of you know um, I grew up with the Hollywood movie with um, um, I'm a big fan of Marty Marty Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino, mm -hmm. and I know like the big influence of music that can that can um, affect the whole film, mm -hmm. and and all this song I growing up listen to it because. It's really famous in the you know seventies and the eighties, so it's come naturally when when I write the script. I try to fit in um, Justin Bieber song, but it didn't work. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> didn't make the cut. Sorry, didn't make the Maybe cut. that was for the best. Ben. Yeah, Maybe that's that we're okay with that. That's fine. <laughs> I love him though. <laughs> but you know, following yeah. on that, on the kind of insider, you know, filmmaking aspect you know, getting rights to music is one of the just things that just is, is the worst part sometimes of, of directing a film or, you know, mm -hmm. or making a film. So, yes. so, so, you know, were all of those your first choices? Did you have some other ones, um, you know, and, and those ones that you got, how, you know, uh, you know, how tough did they make it on you to get those? Cause, cause it is a wonderful selection of, of songs that truly do take us through the emotional arc of the film. Wow, thank you so much. Um, you know what? Luckily, we that's um, all of them are our first choice of the of the song. Wow, wow. Some of them has some issue, and we we are this close to have to change it. But in the end of the day, we we are lucky enough to to get them all. Wow. All right, I'm going to turn back to our actors uh, for a moment, and you know, and and again, you know. When we have an opportunity, we don't always have this opportunity on, on our show to have a lot of cast members. And, and what I'd love to do when we do have this opportunity is to talk about your differences in working. And you know, some actors have to be in character the entire damn shoot and they're, you know, <laughs> You know, and then some are like, you know, able to like, you know, play words with friends until the moment they step on the set. Um, and, you know, and they're able to jump into character immediately. So I would love all three actors to kind of talk about what they think their way is doing it. And then I would love to, the, the other actors to kind of say whether or not they're actually saying the truth or not. So, 
<laughs> so, so let's start with Violet. And Violet, what kind of actor are you? Um, definitely like go on set first. Okay. Like, on the day that I'll be uh, performing, like acting, bef like right before I go on set, maybe like 30 minutes before I would start, you know, prepping myself, but I cannot hold like the entire day. When I, when I like, when you're in like a pause session for lunch, I would stop and, and, and be myself again. But I can't tell who is using the method, like, acting and using it the whole like through the whole movie it's ice ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that pressure huh ice yeah pressure on me oh yeah uh it's it's hard for me you know to 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 understand some someone and to to play him you know so so i I really want to dig deep into his mind and I really want the time to understand uh, the people. So I went through like 24 hours every day so, so I can, can discover this guy. And, and you know, I, I am a shy person. So if, I can, if I'm, I'm not all in, I feel like I don't have a confidence to play. So, so I use this kind of, of method. But I don't know what you guys feel like when working with me. Are <laughs> <laughs> we? Well, um, okay, I can, I can tell this story. Like when we weren't even start shooting, we were in like workshop. He started prepping his, um, his character already. And then one day he just suddenly called and asked about things. And I'm just like, why are you calling me? Like, it's a very random call. But I think he's just getting to like getting into the character, and I'm, I'm like, okay, if you're just calling for this, I'll I'll just act like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you very much. What about Saul? What Um, I think I'm just a hybrid type, you know, uh, because uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I I I have part of method and and I have part of improvise too because yeah. uh, I love the method acting I uh, before I start shooting I just do everything I can do I can research and I I do everything but I do it with myself only myself I never do it with each other because on set I want to get this Get, get get my character to do each other with improvisation more, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is my style working. Like you want to give us like feeling the first time of acting like that, right? Okay. So I, I was saying like you wanted to give like the performance for us the first time. Like, yes. to, like it was the first time. Yes, because I, I, I don't know what happened in every day, you know. <laughs> I just do my best one by one. Well, it, it worked. <laughs> it, yeah. it worked yeah. across the board. Whatever you guys did, it worked. <laughs> yeah. But, I, I, but, but I, I trust in everything around me. I trust with my partner. I trust my director. I trust in the story. Totally trust everything. Mm. 
I have one last kind of silly question for the group. Are you all now amateur bartenders because of this film? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah? Okay. uh, Before we shooting, we we went to training. Yeah. Yeah. And also... um, Bad on a bar in Thailand, in Bangkok. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, bar. <laughs> and uh, before we start shooting, I would go, like, try to be a tranny in the bar and, like, you know, start shaking, making cocktails and everything. And also, like, my um, my mentor for for um, for for my, like, bartend, bartending? I don't know the word, but yeah. yeah. She also brought me to another bar where like really nobody knows that who I am and they just start yelling at me as a trainee like okay you gotta do this you gotta do this so I was like a really trainee making cocktails yeah so it was fun that's so cool the final question before we wrap up I'm going to bring it back to you Baz and 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 it's the you know the story's close to you and you know and and you're also working not just with emotional moments and, and, and the arc of the film, but you're also, you know, giving us flashbacks um, and, and, and things like that. Sometimes when we reach the, the editing uh, bay after we've shot this, the, the order of events, so to speak, um, we find doesn't really adhere to what we had originally in the script. And, and we start kind of shifting that order. What happened to you in this case? You know, what, what, what was the script, you know, how you, how you imagined it? Um, was that kind of what you wound up? Or after you got those performances, did you start moving things around a little bit? Uh, I think we, we try a lot of um, different take on the editing because um, some of the, some of the Fred Maxine is, when they start um, writing the script, some of the Fred Maxine is not um, in, in that moment of the film, but we, we shift everything like, like along the way, because for me, like sometimes our our memory is not um, it's not by an order. Our our memory come with the moment that we facing in that in in the present, and those moment in the present bring back something that 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 in the past. So um, that my approach to to edit the the the, the movie. Well, I, th- I think it plays wonderfully. I think, uh, I, um, and, and uh, I believe all three of us were, were touched by it and, and literally went for the ride and we're happy to go for the ride. Um, Thank again, you. This is One for the Road. Um, we've been talking to the director, Baz Pumpiria, and our cast members, Ice Natura, um, Violette Waltier, and Tor, um, all three of you, uh, and, and, and Baz. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, again, wonderful job and happy uh, Sundance. Yes. Thank you so much, guy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Loved it. Thank you. Love the film. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. John Wildman. I'm here with my co-host Angela Tabora and Aaron Lim. We are virtually at Sundance 2021 and uh, boy this is a film to talk about. Uh, oh boy. Uh, Pleasure <laughs> is the film that we're going to talk about. We have our uh, writer-director Nia Tyberg. Nia, welcome to the show. Thank you. 
Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, and we want to start off, as we always do, by having our filmmaker introduce our audience to their film. They have not had a chance to see it as yet. Um, so you describe the film to them, and then we'll start with the questions. Yes, it's uh, Pleasure is a film about a 19-year-old Swedish girl who arrives in LA uh, with the ambition of becoming the next big porn star. And uh, we get to follow her on this journey and discover the um, like behind the scenes of the porn world from uh, together with her. And the film is uh, like um, a female perspective. Um, it's made from a female perspective and it focuses on the behind the scene aspect and the human relations and relationships and um, uh, yeah, the main uh, female protagonist. It is, I, Hollywood has a number of times uh, delved into the subject of um, adult filmmaking and done their versions of it. And they always leave one as, as thinking well, this is glossed over and, and it really isn't this way. And uh, your film Pleasure uh, is so intense and so uh, uh, in incredibly realistic um, that I think uh, the three of us had PTSD after we watched it. To your very good credit. And, and, mm -hmm. I, wanna, and, I, and I wanna start you off um, by asking you the efforts you made to give us an honest and, and blunt portrayal of, of what it's like to be on those sets, uh, to live that life. You have a number of people, not just advisors, but a number of people that are actually on camera and involved um, that are playing versions of themselves. They're just being themselves uh, on, on camera. And so you obviously had some buy-in in the community to do what you were doing. But I would love to hear your perspective on that approach to get it right, just like you did. Yeah, um, first of all, I just wanna say that they are not all playing themselves. Some are, but some are playing someone completely different. So the ones who are being like abusive uh, right. are super nice people that I trust a lot and that Sophia is very comfortable with and that she likes. So like in order to make those scenes, we had to have really nice people playing the really bad people. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that is an important distinction to make. I'm, I'm yeah. uh, and uh, it's actually everyone except her in the film is from the adult industry. So um, I, I mean, I made, I've been interested in the subject for a very long time. Um, actually 20 years, I'm that old. <laughs> and um, <laughs> And uh, so I made a short film uh, that premiered in Cannes 2013 with the same title uh, and in Sundance 2014. Um, and, um, uh, but that film, I had made that from research uh, in my home, from my computer, reading books, watching documentaries, Googling. And, um, and I felt, I thought that I was very well educated on the subject. I had also studied gender studies and written an essay about porn. Uh, but some like halfway into the process or like after a while I started to feel, because I was saying also in interviews after we've done that, like, yeah, I wanna show the real people behind the stereotypes, but I actually had never met the real people. And uh, I was just making up like, this is how I think it is. And and uh, you, you can't really learn 
something for real by just reading about it. So I felt like, okay, I need to go there. I need to see it for myself. And exactly as you're saying, like I, I felt that I, I had never seen anything that I felt that I really believed in, uh, that, that I felt like, okay, this is, this is actually doing this, this world justice or other people in it justice. Uh, so that was also very like a long process of like the first impulse usually that you get when trying to create something is cliche, the cliche, that's, that's where you start. So I wanted to challenge that. And so that was also, so I, start, I, I, I went the first time in 2014 to LA to start to do research and I was uh, continuing, I, I, I uh, was doing research for during a period of four years, going back and forth between Stockholm and uh, LA and yeah. Uh, to get to know this world and get to know the people. So I started interviewing them. And then uh, after a while, like I started to get in, invited to porn sets. And after a while I started, like I was hanging around so much, everybody got used to me. So I, they were just like, oh, I became a part of their community and I was invited to like the private parties and everything. And then, then of course, after a few years, I started to develop personal relationships with people, like not in a romantic way, but like, I became friends with a lot of people there as well. And it really changed me uh, as a human being to, to really like face my own, because I also had like, I, I, it was a huge shift in uh, like what I thought I knew and, um, and just understanding like, cause I decided early that uh, like as a, a method to do this, story justice i i like i decided that I'm, i would i was going to try to actually believe what they were saying uh, like when i asked them instead of psychoanalyzing or saying like yeah this is your like this is what you tell me or this is what you tell yourself in order to be able to live with with your choice or your life or this lie but like what happens if i start to just believe them and at first there was just so many things that I couldn't uh, like understand. But slowly, when I started to like, okay, but if if I believe this, what what happens and what consequences um, comes from that? Uh, so it's it's been such a long project, like process to and then develop like the script based on that. So I was chasing something. I knew that I didn't know where, where I was going to end. And I didn't want to decide that. I, I wanted the process to, I wanted to stay open and like search for the story. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, I, I would imagine it, it It must have been really validating for your story that all, all of the people within the porn community wanted to be part of it, whether it was on camera or, or behind the scenes as part of your crew. And I'm curious to know um, specifically how the men within the industry reacted to the story. Um, I mean, I thought from the beginning, like, because there are, like, obviously, like, I think everyone knows this, and it also, it's also quite obvious in, in my film that there are a lot of problems in, in the industry. Um, and, but I kind of thought that, like, I mean, they also know that, and like, the people in the industry, I mean, there are, of course, 
bad people in the industry, but there are a lot of really good people in the industry who care about each other and that want to fight for like to make make it better. Uh, and um, so a lot of them were just very supportive that they like that what I was doing, like they thought it was a good thing. Uh, but then I think it's really important just to say that even though, yes, it's it's based on research and there are like a lot of authentic aspects, but it is fiction. So I have written this and it's my view, like this is what I want to say or like what I want to show. This is not uh, this is not the truth of what it is. Um, like, yeah, it, like it's a story uh, and it's, I have made a very, like I had made, made a choice of what I want to put in the film and not. And so it's, it's my voice rather than their voices, actually. Can you talk about the casting process for the lead actress? Um, because I can't imagine what the description looked like, how, how you went through, um, you know, casting, casting that role. Yeah, um, it took me one and a half year to find her. Uh, we were in contact with uh, over 2000 girls. I met 600 before finding her. Uh, and um, I was just, uh, I, I, I was very convinced that I would find her and that she was out there. Uh, it sounds like a fairy tale or like a made up thing, but I had this like, she's out there somewhere. And everyone thought that I was chasing a ghost. And, you know, after like, five months, seven months, a year, a year and three months. Like they were like, you're not gonna find her. You have this fantasy figure that doesn't exist. And that's the reason why you don't think that anyone is like the right one. Uh, but the, I have it as the memory, like when I opened the door uh, uh, for her audition and I saw her and I was like, wow, like her energy, like she would be perfect, but I had no idea. like is she going to be able to act? Because I know that she, I knew that she had never acted. Like she was like total amateur, mm. never any theater, anything. Uh, and um, so I didn't really dare to, where I was like, I'm not going to keep my, because it's very rare that someone with zero experience uh, have that talent. But my experience, because I have done this before, like finding people who were amateurs and putting them in, my lead, leading roles in, in short films and um if someone is truly talented uh that's you know no no uh, education can ever like bring that uh, uh so and i i like she was uh, like one of those cases uh and it was really it was really fascinating as well like when because she was super super nervous of course um, and yeah, like she knew what she was auditioning for. So I had like, a, I made a description of, mm -hmm. uh, the, the good thing is that like the production company platform is very like well, well respected and serious. And um, they had just like been in Cannes with all their films and being Oscar nominated. So uh, when, when it was like, yeah, this is when we made like the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like it, the ads, uh, it was, it felt good to have their, <laughs> that logo and like to say that this is something serious, like, mm -hmm. um, and, um, um, 
but it was hard like usually when you when you try to find amateurs or like when you're not going through like just the regular acting channels um you use different institutions like schools and like university or like to put ads or so uh, but no one wanted to help <laughs> with this film like to put up ads or send it out in their net like network um mm which I can understand um, because it's, it's an extremely challenging part. So, um, so yeah, when Sophia came and when she auditioned, she was just, it was really uh, like <laughs> interesting that uh, after she had done her first scene, uh, cause it was like a bit of an emotional scene, but very like regular, like no sex scene or anything, just a dialogue scene. Um, and she like teared up and was so like into the scene. And then, then I said, thank you. And she was like waking up and like, whoa, what just happened? And she had no idea that she had that in her, like she, that she was able to do. So she discovered something that she didn't know about herself. It was really, yeah, um, a great thing to be part of as well for me to see that. But um, then like, I knew that like, okay, I'm super interested in her for the, but then she had to come back four times uh, before I, and, and then I had to meet her and like really try to get to know her and know, like to get to know about her background and everything, because I knew that like, this is such a extremely huge thing to say yes to. And I also need to know that I'm like not going to damage someone for life or that she's not like halfway through going to like, no, I changed my mind or like, um, yeah. Uh, and so it was very important for me that her family and parents and like people around her were supportive. Uh, and uh, so it took a long time before I told her that like, okay, I want to give you the part to like to really. And then after that, it took us like eight or nine, nine months before we started shooting because I to develop the character together. And we went to LA because I wanted her to also get to know industry um and meet people and like get, get used to this world and uh, and i wanted her to be like creatively also part of like shaping this, this script a little bit or like mainly the character because it was like i i always i already had started to feel a bit old uh, and like the, the character is 19 and i felt like i'm not I don't know the lingo. I don't know like how a 19 year old girl reacted to this today. <laughs> yeah, so that was, yeah. <laughs> but that was actually like in the same way as like why it was such a uh, like relieving thing or like to, that I also had like the people from the porn industry playing the parts because I could trust that they would always be accurate and that I didn't have all the answers to everything. The same with her. like there was like flaws or gaps in the script where I could just like ask her and like, she just gave me the answer. Like, yeah, I would say this, or I would react like this. Uh, um, so, and, uh, and then of course to like, to make sure that everything that she was, she felt okay with everything in the script and uh, that she understood, like, because it was, some of it was really hard for her to do. And then it was so important that she knew why uh, she was doing it not just because I said so, but like the reason behind it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the, um, one of the devastating, uh, uh, one, one, one of the things that contributes to the devastating nature of the film is the fact that um, you capture um, what it seems to be kind of like that, those, 
one man, two man operations as kind of family, uh, you know, as you know, you don't have huge sets with these things. And, you know, and, and, and the people involved, um, you know, are, you know, they are that, that tight little community. Everybody knows everybody, everybody knows everybody's business. Everybody knows everybody's, um, you know, what, what's behind the scenes uh, uh, kind of thing. I would love for you to talk about, because you have, you having mentioned that you had perceptions that you had to change um, once you delved into it. Um, what parts of the film that, that now exist weren't there initially that you said, oh crap, I need to put this in now because this is the reality that I had no idea about? Mm, good question. Um, it's so hard. Like I'm actually like after now when the film exists, it's hard for me to understand that it hasn't always been like this, like uh, that it once wasn't, <laughs> that I once, once like didn't know uh, how it was supposed to be. Uh, or um, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I have, well, one thing is, but I, uh, for example, the differences between male and female directors, because everyone except one uh, that I know of, of the female directors, there are like more and more, starting to become more and more common, even though if, if it's still like super, of course, super male dominated, um, but like more and more female directors, but they are always, except one that I know, uh, used to be performers or are still performers, like they are starting to be able to direct as well but so they know what it's like to be in front of the camera and that's where they come from and the different but that's very rare for the men the male directors um so um i think that that is huge differences when you are in front of the camera if you know that the person behind the camera can relate to what it feels like and uh, um so that's one thing which I, I tried to capture like that in, in the differences between the kink set where Aiden starts direct and, and then the more abusive scene that comes right after. Mm, and um, I think, I mean, one thing, it's not in the script that like obvious, but it was something that really made me like change my view uh, completely on a lot of things was uh, very early in my research i was on a porn set and uh, there was um um uh, it was a shoot like an interracial shoot uh with um, um uh, like two big black guys and this tiny white girl in a schoolgirl outfit or something like that very uh, like stereotypically racist and uh, sexist. And the director gave like instruction, like, oh yeah, you're like afraid of the big black cock coming to molest you. Uh, and I was sitting there like writing and I, I felt like, oh, they are so perverted and like, what's wrong with them doing all of the, like <laughs> doing this. And then all of a sudden the director like turned and looked at me and said like, what's wrong with you people? Like, why are you making us do this? Why do you want this type of porn? So for me to like have that shift where 
oh, we see them as the perverts, but they see us as the perverts. And like, where do we, things that we find problematic yep. for, like, where do we put the blame? Is it the consumer or is it the producers? Like, um, I think that is very important how we view things differently. Um, but I, I mean, the number one thing is that everyone, like there are so many different types of people and there are so many different types of porn. Porn is not one thing. That's, I think it's a huge mistake in the, debate that we say porn and think that there's just one thing that is porn uh it can be everything from like super abusive rape to the most beautiful thing you've ever like two people coming together and sharing like like pleasure and uh, like connection and uh, show sharing that with the world like like that can be a beautiful thing and it can be an awful thing it just depends on how you do it yeah well, I, again, I uh, it is a devastating movie, but I also and I've and I've repeated that, but I, but I think it also again, um, you know, you cannot. I don't think you can watch this and you know and and then be satisfied with those cliches, you know, and and the the, the stock responses um, that we have to you know to the adult film industry, whether you're you know whether you live in the san fernando valley or whether you know you're anywhere else and and you know and have you know any kind of tangential knowledge uh, to it it really is uh, a, a successful film congratulations on it again we've been talking about the film pleasure uh, with naya tyberg and uh, we've been very fortunate to have you on the show thank you for being on this. thank you so much Thanks again to all of the cast and crew that joined us today and join us tomorrow where we're bringing you Best of the Bay, Sundance style. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. 